0: Daryl Etherington and I'm here with
1: Anthony Hawk.
0: And we're back again for original content, the podcast bringing you news about streaming and reviews of original streaming content. Uh, we were off last week cuz we were in jolly old Germany. No, what's
1: it <laughs> You spent a week in Germany and that that's your <laughs> that's how you're still describing it.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's good. It's a good place. Good time. Uh, I had a vacation. It was very nice, but um,
1: yes, but there's I had no vacation. I was just <laughs> I was just working and traveling. But, yeah, but you uh, had some
0: fun stuff. You saw the uh, thing. We're not going to talk about it.
1: Uh, yeah, you mean <laughs> are, we talking, are we talking about Star uh, yeah, Wars or yeah. the Lion King? Yeah, no, Star I saw Wars. Star Wars. I also traveled to LA to visit the the sort of the set of the new Lion King movie. Although I'm not allowed to talk about it at all because it's like embargoed until 2019.
0: Well, don't you just talked about
1: it. Now people know shit. Now, now they'll. Pro- I'm probably fired from the world.
0: <laughs> uh, cool. So, uh, there has been news though, and I mean, there's two big, huge stories today, basically, and they today as we're recording this, um, uh, they they kind of occluded all else. There's not really any way to talk about anything else, basically, because they're so big uh both stuff we actually knew was coming it's just they've now arrived right yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i mean the the first one i think and oh yeah so we should clarify this is how this works <laughs> in case you're just joining us uh we do we cover this the week in streaming news first and then later we do a review uh of one piece of original content uh, this week we're yes, doing Yes, this ban. week
1: we're going to review, yeah, Mudbound, the the Netflix film. Yeah, that's right.
0: So we do have news, though. What is the news? What is the big news?
1: Well, so the first piece of big news um, that we're going to talk about is that the FCC has voted to repeal uh, the existing net neutrality rules in the United States.
0: Yes, that's right. And that is, again, something people knew was ha- going to happen just because of the the breakdown of um of the FCC at the moment in terms of where the political leanings of the commissioners are um and yeah it, it's it still sucks I mean it's still not something you wanted to happen even if we kind of knew it was gonna happen uh I think it sucks worse because we did know it was gonna happen even though there was like massive action to to, to try to stop it from happening well you know whatever we could do, which was or whatever you could do as Americans, which was like comment. Uh, and there was tons of public comment, like, you know, in support of the existing, of keeping the existing regulations in place. Um, and then there was a bunch of fake stuff, like supporting the repeal. So I, and I, you know, hardly any of that. I mean, based on what I was reading, it, it seemed very, very difficult to find genuine comments from real human beings, uh, in support of the repeal, among those those many fake ones that were there.
1: That's my understanding as well. Though I, I <laughs> as someone who generally avoids online comments, I did not dive too deep into what was actually available.
0: Right. Yeah. But others did. Others did, and their their findings at least suggest a big chunk of that was fake, and not very much of it was real. Uh, so depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, uh, Ajit Pai came out with like a mocking video today to try to rub salt in the wound i guess or i don't know if it was (laughs) meant to like i think the intent was like to try to alleviate concerns but like a like a very misguided one i can't tell though because part of me just looked at it and was like how could this not just be trolling like celebrating your impending victory with like a, a kind of mocking video, but I don't know. We'll link the video or link some, I don't know. I don't even want to link the video. Everyone's probably seen it.
1: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's such a dumb video. And I mean, but I think it was, and it was like basically about sort of like, you know, attacking all these kind of straw man arguments, um, about like, you know, what, what he's like, you'll still be able to, you know, like, get the internet like with uh even even without like these regulations like yeah we know we're not that or like is it will still be able to watch game of thrones and it's like, yes every, no one thinks you're not going to be able to watch game of thrones right um so it was uh yeah pretty pretty stupid
0: yeah 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 it was it didn't address any of the real concerns right it addressed the sort of fake concerns that uh that people have been using either like i mean on the side of of pro-regulation you know people brought up these as kind of like worst case scenarios like if like they're right. just to show that there's nothing really essentially preventing this from happening other than it doesn't make good business sense to do it that way but like um you know the realistic concerns of like of course people will still be able to access those things but it's a matter of what they'll pay to to get at that and like to whom and and those kind those are the the bigger concerns, right? Is how that is meted out, uh, as a service rather than whether or not it will actually be available.
1: Right. And that like, I mean, I think so a lot of tweets are going, um, around right now about this idea that, um, you know, that you'll have to then now have to pay to access Twitter to pay to access Facebook. And, and, you know, this additional fee, you know, like, you know, a fee to your internet provider to do that. Um, my sense is that that is, you know, not very likely. Um, much, what's much, much more likely is that, you know, um, essentially, uh, you know, all these different big internet companies are going to be paying uh, the telecoms providers to get access to like fast lanes, yeah. Um, to do, and and then you know, but, but you know, when when that happens, like the, the cost will probably be passed along to the consumer in some way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then and we're seeing a lot of like. Uh, consolidation too i think the other thing that's going on at the moment and we can talk about that too with our second big story but um there's not a lot of motivation to fight kind of uh, consolidation whereas in previous administrations there might have been like there's not a lot of appetite for antitrust uh inquiries or, or prosecution or anything like that so like if you get those two things combined, it becomes dangerous, right? Because then you start having, like fast lanes for one thing means slow lanes for another, right? Like it's it's going to reduce competitiveness overall. Although, I mean, free market totalitarians or whatever would be like, no, 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 what you want is absolute free market and that's going to work out the best. Which works in right. theory, if everyone is like acting in good faith and whatever. But I mean, it's obviously not worked out that way in most cases. Canada is a great example, actually. Like, we have, we have really strong net neutrality rules, which are good. Um, but we do pay a crap load for things like mobile data. There was actually just a report that came out that was like, we are, of the G7 nations, like, we're by far the highest f- for uh, mobile data and, like, mobile uh, just talking plans, like, cell plans. Huh. Uh, and the reason is that we have, like, uh monopolies like there's there's not there's no competitiveness in the mobile space there's like three players and they've divided up the country kind of evenly and they're happy with like their their share um and smaller ones are kind of crushed and it's a little bit like actually government aided uh in terms of how it works but anyway the the point is it's it's it does not work out for the consumer when you have uh you know big big companies kind of essentially colluding to to maximize their profit and minimize your access or whatever
1: yeah and i mean this is probably the moment where we should acknowledge that uh techcrunch itself is owned by one of these uh big internet and telecom companies verizon um and in fact um the everyone's favorite FCC Chairman um, Ajit Pai. He uh, he used to work for Verizon.
0: Yes, that's right. He was a lawyer, right, for Verizon. I believe so. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you know, good job parent company. <laughs> uh, which I mean, anytime we do any kind of coverage related to net neutrality, there's always like someone writing to us. Uh, not anytime, but we've definitely gotten some a share of like commentary that we're just being shells for Verizon, which is like very strange because in those it's like. What we wrote is not what Verizon wants. So, yeah, um, I don't think in
0: any case we've <laughs> ever said, like, hey, we agree uh, with Verizon's position. Like, it's always vociferously the opposite of that. So, super weird. Right. Get this comment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think, and I don't think this is that this conversation has actually happened on, on TechCrunch, but on some in some other places, I think some people have sort of said, look, net neutrality is a good value, but in a lot of ways, um, you know, the the Internet isn't this sort of – people talk about the open Internet, and, and, and their argument is really that it doesn't even exist anymore anyway because you have companies like Google and Facebook, which function as just such dominant gatekeepers that, that you don't have that kind of level playing field, yeah. um, which I think is true uh, on some level, but I don't think means that, you know, you get rid of the existing net neutrality re- regulations. It just means there's probably <laughs> – uh, another discussion that needs to be happen that needs to happen around you know um, that level playing field.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that they had. Um, I mean, with all of these, like the in every case, the technology runs ahead of the regulation just because of that's the way that one is faster than the other. Uh, like it happened with the phone line. Like the regulation always comes after. That there's a realization that like oh this has gotten out of hand because we we left it to itself and we thought it would self regulate and it's not worked out that way right and the things that have been built were you know became essential tools of the populace like they weren't before because they didn't exist and then people started using them and they clearly became essential to that the, the the resulting like shifted way of living right like we had our, our way of life adapts to the technologies that we use and then afterwards you realize like oh okay this can no longer be like operate the way that it did previously cuz then in in our changed world like that's not a level playing field for everybody so yeah i think i think that was just an example of like like google and and facebook i mean i i feel like well it's hard to say now because everything's kind of topsy turvy but i feel like uh, in a previous kind of same timeline, they would be in for a reckoning sooner rather than later too uh, from like a regulatory standpoint and, and you know, w- what they owe to the public in terms of their responsibility as gatekeepers. But now, who knows? Everything's <laughs> up in the air.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, yeah, so, I mean, we've got lots of coverage. Follow TechCrunch for continuing coverage. I think, uh, you know, it's not like it's over. I feel pretty doom and gloom, but like, uh, Congress could still mount some kind of opposition to this. Is that right? Like I, I, you probably understand better than that. Yeah.
1: I mean, technically it still needs to be approved by Congress. Um, but I think, you know, again, when you know the, the sort of political makeup of Congress, that seems fairly unlikely, but, um, certainly there's like opportunities for, I mean, I think like, a, there are going to be like lawsuits and other things that sort of, this isn't going to sort of take a, you know, that there is going to be a continued opposition and then, you know, you know uh, 2018 is an election year, and, and if, if the makeup of Congress changes, especially, like, you could imagine um, there being some, some, you know, new legislation around this. Because I think some, the other argument has been essentially that this, you know, a lot of this stuff really should be put into law by Congress, not just, you know, a, a set of, of uh, you know, rules put into place by the FCC. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... But yeah, check out I mean so Devin Coldaway, one of our writers and the one top crunch writer who's not on twitter right. um he he has an article about uh you know the the end of net neutrality and what happens next um and, and I found that really helpful, yes, so we'll, maybe we'll link to that in the uh, in the show notes, yeah, for sure uh
0: yeah, and he's he's got a lot of coverage uh either you know already out there or in progress and planned so I mean, in general, just just follow either him directly or or TechCrunch itself for more on that. Um, yeah, and they'll they'll keep with it as it develops. Uh, yeah, I think I just ugh, it's ridiculous too. Even just like everyone's using the photos of uh, Pi with his giant Reese's mug, and it's just like oh <laughs> God, how how did this happen? But oh well can't fault somebody for their mug choice i guess that's the
1: wrong target I yeah mean. we can i mean i don't i, don't, I think of the, the terrible things he's done it's relatively low on the list but you could still fault them for it. okay
0: that's true um anyways it, yeah anything anything else on that that you had thoughts on? i know it's no,
1: no no i think i just thought we should touch at least acknowledge yeah. it that it, it's definitely sort of a bummer um but a, a lot still remains to to be decided
0: yeah yeah exactly i mean hopefully it'll just uh, if anything like Light a fire under people for next election cycle. Uh, maybe people who otherwise would have been in the Trump camp, but who love their internet freedoms. Right? I think there's a fair amount of <laughs> trolls that apply to it. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, cool. All right, next next news. Next news. Bit better news, maybe. All right.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think at least it's more fun to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people are probably going to be happier about it than others. Uh Um, but, uh, as, as you and I covered this morning, uh, Disney is acquiring basically the film studio and then a lot of the TV assets of Fox.
0: Yes, that's right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I think that again, this is one that we knew that was coming. Like people had been talking about it and rumored, um, but and I think the details were pretty much in line with kind of the last reports of what would be sold and what wouldn't be sold. Is that right?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think that um, maybe there, there may have been some small. I, but I think yeah, essentially, it's basically what people expected. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, but it's uh, you know it's it's very good. I'm excited about it from a fan perspective, and you know Disney used this to point out kind of one of its reasons why they think they should be allowed to do this and why they think it's a good idea was for consumer benefit, they said. Uh, And the consumer benefit essentially being like, we'll be able to deliver better fan service to like huge fans of uh, things like Marvel and the Marvel Universe. Um, Now that the properties that were owned by Fox, like X-Men and Spider-Man, uh, at least in terms of their movie rights, now fall under uh, the single dominion of Disney, so they can bring those back into right. the market. Although Studios. we should, I,
1: I, I um, Spider Man is is not included because Spider Man is Sony. Oh yeah, Spider
0: Man is Sony. That's right.
1: Which and and you know then they've you know obviously um, Disney slash Marvel and and Sony have have made their own deal so that yeah. you know uh, the, the Spider Man movie is part of that that universe, but um. But the film rights um, are, as as far as I know, still controlled by Sony. Yes. But but this includes the X Men and the Fantastic Four,
0: right? Which were the ones that were the were like, well, I mean, the X Men had kind of rallied a bit um, since the uh, the reboot, like the retro reboot. But I think <laughs> people were really disappointed in in uh, the tr- I mean, the fan- final or the Fantastic Four treatment has been awful in terms of what's happened with that property, and it seems like. It seemed like they were just throwing these movies out there to retain the rights uh, once in a while, without making much effort in terms of like movie or story or anything like that. Although they did attach some pretty big name actors to the to the movies, the various movies that they made. But.
1: Yeah, um, I've, I'm trying to think if I've actually seen any of the fan- I think I've seen like bits of the first Fantastic Four, um, but yeah, by all accounts, I mean the first two are just sort of mediocre, and then the most recent reboot is just terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's fair to say. Um,
1: yeah, but I. I mean, but I think also on, on, on the on the question of like sort of you know benefiting the consumer, I think part of the other argument was essentially that that by like sort of been expanding the um, the you know the content library available to Disney, um, this this helps it become more competitive against Netflix, um, and so that when they launched their own Disney app in 2019, you know that, that is is a really credible Netflix competitor yeah. and. I and mean, although the other thing that's sort of interesting is that, that that I hadn't really thought about until until the announcement this morning is that this also gives um, Disney a controlling stake in Hulu, so it'll it'll really sort of have uh, you know at least oh and then you know separately ESPN, although that that's not really competitive in the same way. So right. you know, but at least on, on on sort of the the kind of scripted content streaming, um, it's going to have at least two two big services.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's and it. Like at least now the plan seems to be to keep all that those things distinct, um, and to offer. And I think this is still very early in terms of their thinking about it, but like Hulu would be kind of like aimed at adults, not in the way that like it's porn or anything, but in the way that it's like uh, you know the Fox primetime content type stuff, where it's like a little bit mature for for your average family viewer. Uh, and more skewed towards like the sense of humor of an older person or something like that, or sensibilities of an older person. So, and then the Disney, Marvel, uh, uh, Star Wars stuff would be like family oriented under that service, uh, which is basically the one we've talked about before, targeting the launch in 2019. And then they'd have the ESPN, you know, uh, Fox Sports, which uh, local sports or whatever, which will become something new, I guess. Um, under a a different service. And then also that all of those would be available kind of either separately. I mean, Iger Iger said like he wanted to the goal was to offer consumers choice. Um, But I mean, that's not the real goal. The goal is to (laughs) (laughs) make money by parting it out individually, but then also make more money by offering a bundle by which you combine them all, right? So the, the choice is really, you know, that we're going to charge more for all of this stuff together than we might otherwise have done if we had just had one unified service to begin with, right?
1: Um, yeah. And I mean, I think also just like from a regular, I think like just from a PR standpoint, like just shuttering a bunch of services is, is probably not a great move anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, but the most consumer friendly thing to do would be like, okay, let's like call it Hulu or whatever the hell it is. But it's got everything. Right. Right and,
1: and right. it's the same price right. you're and currently Hulu, paying, and then there's whatever. like Hulu Kids or something like yeah. that yeah but that's not what's happening
0: um, yeah so and, and and he was very direct too about you know kind of how they viewed Hulu it wasn't like uh, we're gonna still uh, play nice with everybody involved it was we're looking forward to being in control of this uh, <laughs> <laughs> right and, and like right. you know in, in the most sort of like PR speak way possible saying like we're looking forward to being the dri- the driver and making the decisions right. unilaterally, essentially right. without having to
1: right and it. i mean on on the flip side i think you know even if he hadn't said that or if, if i mean that was going to be the, the reality regardless yeah, yeah. and that um and then i think the other partners you know involved in Hulu, i think realistically are going to be i don't think they're necessarily going to pull all of their content but um this is definitely going to make them look at hulu differently and and as like maybe a partner but but certainly that they're going to be looking at other options i think a lot more carefully
0: now. yeah for sure i mean also because one of the earlier comments i made was like basically saying this is our hedge in case everybody ends up going in alone like we want to be in a strong position to be able even if we don't you know if, if it turns out to be a situation where there's not a you know studios producing content for diverse channels owned by others or, you know, Cone or whatever, but that everybody is just doing their own production and then their own distribution, they want to be set up to be able to do that. So, right. you know, saying that they're preparing for a future in which that is a possibility, everyone else should probably be doing the same thing, uh, you know, just for their own benefit. So that makes... You know it almost sets up kind of an arms race in terms of like it, it it almost makes it like that will be the 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 case because Iger mentioned it, you know like bringing up that prospect if anyone doesn't prepare for that prospect, it's foolish, and then once you've invested in that prospect, like why not do it yourself right so
1: <laughs> right well, I guess the the reason not to do it yourself is if you then you know spend a lot of money to build this sort of consumer facing um uh, application or a consumer-facing service, and no one cares, right? I know, but <laughs> and those so,
0: people won't like. I, I mean, I guess maybe if if someone like Disney who becomes like you know the megalith with like a, right. a deep enough library to actually sustain that kind of service, if they out of charity then say, okay, well we're gonna like make it possible for, her. well we'll go and buy it, the content of people who aren't as fortunate and put it on here too. I mean if that's a sustainable model and then and everybody seems interested in that that'll happen but other you know otherwise I, I have a hard time seeing people uh, being able to compete right
1: yeah I think it's tough um but I also do think like so you think about the land like I mean, I think we, 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 uh, um, you know, there's always this, um, since I'm a Star Trek fan, I always see like a a fair amount of complaining about the fact that you have to get onto CBS all at least in the U S that you need to get onto CBS, subscribe to CBS all access to get the new Star Trek show. And, you know, again, having traveled internationally, the fact that like that is available just on Netflix, um, seems to me like a much better, you know, consumer experience. So there's something about like, um, that I, that we don't necessarily want this feature where it's just like subscribe to like seven or eight different services. And I do think that like, I mean, Netflix for one, Amazon for another, um, and, uh, and who, and you know, who maybe, and anyway, I, mean, I think he's, he said he's, they're not, it's not like they're going to just immediately stop buying content right. for, I mean, I just, I think that the mix changes. Right. And, and, and I think that like, but even, you know, like Netflix, we, you know, they, they, they have this like, crazy engine now of like pumping out original content and there's you know way more than even we can review on this show but they're still spending a lot on on unlicensed exi- content too so it's not like um you know it's, it's just one or the other for these i think for somebody like a Di- like a disney branded service you know for something you know like like hbo then that starts to make less sense but like for um even hbo right they, on the movie side they, they do still run yeah, other others do um so so i don't know i think i think that yeah it it definitely like so it's not going to be an all or nothing thing, but I think it certainly is moving towards more of a future where more of that is is under one roof, where you produce and you distribute and you distribute straight to the consumer. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But
0: yeah, I think you're right. the The other ones will, uh, the other ones aren't going to be completely uh, choked out by like even if Disney does decide to just keep all of its stuff. In itself, and become a closed ecosystem. Like others will exist alongside it, because uh, yeah, there's still room for that, and there's still appetite for that among consumers. So.
1: Yeah, um, I guess the, the two other things that I wanted to touch on from this. I mean, one that I, I didn't even think about until like um, a couple, you know, maybe a day ago, was just. And I think they sort of highlighted this in the um, in in the in the press briefing. Was like sort of this also like brings a few like lingering pieces of is, is also thinking about this bringing like certain pieces of like Disney IP, like fully back within Disney. Like the fact that Fox actually, you know, was where the original, um, Star Wars re- was released yeah. because that was a you know traditional movie deal. I, I, I think Fox still owned, you know, the first Star Wars. So now the entire Star Wars franchise is sort of under Disney. Um, you know, almost all of like Marvel is now back within Marvel. Um, I can see that being very appealing to, to Disney as well. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's the only reason because you know the, the, we should mention. I mean, the price is like more than fifty billion dollars. So yeah. this is a very very uh, lar- you know, um, <laughs> big deal. So I mean, I don't think there's any one thing that that tilted it, um, but certainly I think that that was part of the the appeal as well.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, yeah, reading it like it was just highlighted so much, and it was kind of it did it did almost seem like there, you know like uh someone within Lucasfilm or whatever is like get me the last Star Wars movie and they go all right we'll do it no price is too high but 52 billion is a lot of money <laughs> right but i mean there's almost no nothing about this seems like a like a bad for like the, i think they took on whatever the existing debt uh 13 billion or something from fox but it wasn't anything that was like you know it's not a, it's not an impactful number first for Disney in terms of its overall bottom line. So I, I really, I, I mean, I think it's pure, pure win for Disney. Um, I think the question remains, you know, whether it'll be, cause I think it's fair too to worry about like this much consolidation, uh, and about the kind of mega monolith that they become once they've got right. all this stuff under their belt. But, you know, getting back to talk of monopolies and, and, uh f- fair competition right
1: but, but yeah and I mean I think that that'll probably be some of that that'll be the argument around that that'll be happening around um you know regulatory approval
0: yeah yeah exactly but um yeah but again yeah it seems like it seems like maybe even part of the reason they're doing it now is is because the regulatory environment seems or climate at least seems like Sort of conducive to this kind of thing going through, right?
1: Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, uh, I get the sense that that you know, that, that I, I think some. I mean, there's some articles sort of starting to spell out some of the, the behind the scenes machinations going on. Um, but but uh, also, I mean, I think that that the Murdochs were were sort of at this point where they wanted to sort of you know restructure what Fox is as a company. So I think it was sort of opportune for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you excited about the inevitable Avengers X Men crossover?
0: I am excited about it. I'm excited about. I like. I I'm hoping they do this, but I, I'm excited about an X Men reboot. Like I want them to just go back, scrap everything they have, do an X Men reboot in the, the uh like in the style or in, in the continuity of the current MCU. So uh, the the other ones are fine. Like they're fine. That. <laughs> the ones that are right now the uh oh god why am i blanking on the actors who's uh xavier
1: the, the uh james mcavoy
0: james yeah like i like that that's great they're doing a good job but it's just and and the last one wasn't that great the apocalypse one i think it's it was not no, it's had its time so they can just they can scrap all that and start again
1: um Right, although there, so I mean, there is a new X Men movie like coming out oh, is there one in, next year. Yeah. yeah, it's it's gonna be X Men: Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah, right. and they've already got like this sort of newer cast of um of, of X Men who are I think supposed to sort of take over. Um, one, now, I, I I mean, they managed to get McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, and Jennifer Lawrence back for one more X Men movie, but yeah, I think you sort of have to assume this is probably gonna be the last one for at least at least Jennifer Lawrence and and probably some of the others as well. So um they they were sort of getting ready to you know sort of really kind of crank it up and build this whole x-men universe um and and introduce this new cast of characters and i think that all seems (laughs) uh, a lot less likely yeah
0: yeah i think actually that so i think this is good news for the comics too in a roundabout way i mean uh, one of the big things that i don't don't know if this was ever like explicitly said but it was like a a, you know a popular fan theory was that the x-men comics were being ruined on purpose by marvel to kind of ruin to to screw fox and like give them kind of you know erode their audience a bit and then also erode their source material in terms of not giving them much to work with for for building uh creative and compelling new storylines or whatever so yeah, I don't know. Right. I mean, it, it,
1: and that was the same thing with um with the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four comics was yeah. actually canceled. Yeah, and they killed it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I mean, it could be good news for for comics fans that way if they bring it back, or if they just sort of like have a return to form uh, with the X Men comics. Um, I, what was the other one? Somebody on Twitter was like talking about how they thought the Inhuman series was kind of like a targeting tactic too, like a purpose purposeful sort of like crap bag that disney created to screw fox or to like help with negotiation (laughs) i don't know i didn't really get the the logic behind it but because in humans was sort of at one point especially when in humans was like announced as like a movie before it actually was changed right. into a series, people thought like, "Oh, yeah, you know, they're just setting up the Inhumans to essentially be the X Men, and they're kind of right
1: f- to be like the mutants that you could have." Then you know this whole like race of super powered people, yeah. Um, which is the role that mutants serve um, in, in the in the in the comics, yeah.
0: And they were kind of retconning them into that, uh, just as a, as a workaround to not have to worry about the actual X Men. So, but then. You know, we all know what happened with the Inhumans. Actual, you know.
1: <laughs> it was great and was a huge hit, and um, they're going to make a lot yeah, more. Yeah,
0: and they all live happily ever after. Um, no, but it, so, anyways, whatever. I like the Inhumans again. I w- I hope they get another chance sometime down the road. But
1: you like the Inhumans as characters. As characters. You do not like Inhumans the no, show. Yes, because no sane human being could. No, impossible. Inhuman. And we, and we should say, I mean, we we, we reviewed The Inhumans um, a, a few, uh, a couple months ago on this podcast, and uh, we hated it, um, but I think it was <laughs> uh, a, a pretty good episode where we explained why we hated yeah,
0: it. Yeah, please go listen that, to that one if you haven't. It was one of our more fun episodes, I think. Uh, I think, I mean, the greatest thing
1: we've probably ever done. For humanity. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And definitely you needed more opinions on that show, because I'm sure there's tons of people <laughs> out there just, just thinking, like,
1: maybe I should watch it.
0: But go go listen and then you'll find out. Um. Anyways, I'm I am excited. I'm super excited about X Men coming back into uh, Marvel control. I think that is probably the best thing to happen out of this, at least from my perspective. Right. I don't know about
1: although I mean, and I and uh, I mean the one I I agree that I think the mainline X Men movies at this point. Um, are not super interesting. I mean, I like Days of Future Past, but even that one, you could it you, because it was trying to keep the fran the ways in which it was trying to keep the franchise going felt kind of tired to right. me. Um, and and yeah, ap- um, apocalypse I didn't think was very good. Um, and I'm not super optimistic about Dark Phoenix. So, uh, but I think what what was interesting about the way Fox was handling um, the X Men stuff was the fact that they then were starting to do these R rated superhero movies, and so they did Deadpool which I didn't love, but, um, was, you know, certainly different yeah, and, and did well. Really well. Received, yeah. Um, and then Logan, which I think is like one of the best superhero, probably, probably the best like superhero movie of like the past decade. Um, and, and so like, uh, and, and, and Iger, I think did say like, he's, he's open to the idea that you would continue to do superhero movies that are, you know, really squarely aimed at adults and, and, you know, probably then aren't necessarily part of the same continuity or, or maybe they are, I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, well, the Logan was terrific, right? So, did you like Logan?
1: Yeah, I loved yeah. Logan. I think it was it was great.
0: Right. So that that was kind of it. Did I mean that makes me a little sad because it seemed like in some ways um, Fox was starting to find its footing with how it right. might make more interesting movies out of these and that there's a. Strong possibility that that could be kind of erased in in, f- in favor of the you know strong centrally led uh, uh, approach that Disney has had success with with both Marvel and Star Wars. So we'll see. But but well, I mean, maybe that's good though. It would be sad if they tried to do. Are they doing a sequel to Logan? This will be one.
1: no. I think they were, they were they were they were like there's some talks about doing a sequel. That, I mean, that wasn't. Um, uh, focused on on Logan, um, but was focused on the character, right. you know, the little girl character, X twenty three, and so I think whether or not that happens now, I I don't know. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not really clear if like they're just going to sort of like okay, let's release the movies that that are already like you know um, and then we'll sort of like sunset the existing X Men universe and then fold them in or. If how exactly they're going to handle that, I mean, is is not really clear. And, and from what I understand, I mean, they're not really allowed to sort of make too many moves in that direction until the deal actually goes through, which could you know take like another year. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, but I do think there is uh, some of the comments he made suggest there's you know there's going to be big changes and there's going to be a lot of uh, consolidation of things uh, rather than letting them run completely. Yeah, uh, concurrently. So
1: right. Yeah, I mean, because it makes you wonder about, like, um, I do think, like, on the one hand, it seems, like, insane that when you look at um, DC that you can have, like, a TV show flash and then a movie flash. And if we, and I just think, like, for, like, like casual viewers, it just gets very confusing. Yeah. And so I think um, I could understand if you're Disney and you're like, listen, if we put out any movie with, like, the word Marvel at the beginning, they should all be connected in some way and you shouldn't have to, like, wonder too much about, like, how does this, does this actually fit in with this or, or what? Um, and they could be different, but that they should, you know, all be part of the same universe. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I, I think there's also value, you know, it seems like people are, I mean, uh, the, the, the most people are like, okay with the fact that like, you know, the TV version is different from the movie version and, 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 you know, can, can, it, can deal with a, a degree of that. Um, I mean, I, I also was talking to somebody recently who was talking, who was talking about like just how, like, actually, if you think about the way, Disney's doing the Star Wars movies, that's also a bit, I mean, everyone knows, or at least everyone we know knows, but, like, it's kind of confusing when, like, the movie that comes out after The Force Awakens is not a sequel to The Force right. Awakens, But and, and so you then if you know, like, oh, well, it's a Star Wars story, it's not, like, episode, you know, eight, but you're like, God, you it sounds, like, insane to be like, Saying that out loud, I guess my point is just like people can deal with a degree of confusion. So I, I don't. I think like if, if the the X Men universe kind of con- continues on its own for a little while, I don't, I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I think it'll be fine. I, I just think uh, the potential that they eventually will come together is exciting. Obviously, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it, it'll also. I mean, I feel like um, in the the Avengers Infinity War will definitely be the sort of like test of like how many superheroes can you put in one movie and not have it become like completely, you know, incomprehensible. Um, and if that goes well, then you can be like, okay, well maybe you can find a way to squeeze the X-Men into this too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. uh, I, like when I'm watching it, I'll be thinking like, what if there was another, like double this? What if it was just this X (laughs) two, Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What was the other one that's coming out? The movie that reminded me, like X Force related or X Factor or something, isn't there?
1: There's um, there's an X, there's a horror movie. They're doing it sort of like horror movie style. I'm trying to remember. It was X Factor or X Force or, let me see. Um, it's I think Josh Boone is directing it. Um, uh, yeah, Boone.
0: That was the one I'm thinking of for sure.
1: The new oh New Mutants. New Mutants. That's what it is. Right.
0: Right. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, like, which I have no idea. it Could be really good. I mean, yeah, and that'll still I'm so sure. Cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. What about uh, the Avatar? Are you excited about that? I. Um.
1: Uh, <laughs> I I think that James Cameron has not ever released a genuinely bad movie. Okay. I mean, I think that's fair. Titanic, I think, is badly written, but it's still like an amazing, you know movie experience and clearly for an incredible amount of like teenage girls, it was it was a very important film and I don't want to devalue that. Um, even though I'm kind of talking about it condescendingly right now. Uh, (laughs) but like, you know, I just, I don't think he can make that. I I think, you know, and people have said before, right. Avatar is this weird thing that like, it's the, you know, still, uh, worldwide, the, the most successful movie ever made. Um, and yet like no one really seems to care about it (laughs) anymore. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, I, and, I, and that's true that like I had a great time in Avatar, you know, I watched it, I think, you know, twice in the theater and maybe once after, but I haven't seen it again in like seven or eight years and I have no real particular desire to see it again. So, um, you know, I, I think like it's going to be, uh, it's going to take a lot of, uh, because it's been so long since the first, I mean, when the, when the next Avatar movie comes out, it's going to be more than a decade yeah. from, since the first one. Um. So I think it's gonna. It's almost. They're gonna have to do a lot of work to like just reintroduce that that you know franchise to the public. Um. And and Disney is somebody. I mean that they don't have a flawless record, but probably. Um. I I would I would have more confidence in them being able to to do that than than in Fox alone.
0: Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think that there's a long way to go if they ever want to achieve a sort of Avatar universe. If they want to make another sort of extended. Thing, that will take a lot of work but uh, introducing a new movie and making it su- successful and kind of reminding people what they liked about the first one Disney is you're right probably the best uh, at being able to do that right
1: um, I mean but I imagine I imagine the movie itself will be similar to the first Avatar in the sense that it'll be like an amazing visual experience and the script will be okay and people will probably have a lot of problems with it but um, if, if you're into like nitpicking certain political or plot elements, but it'll still be a good time.
0: Yeah. 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 It'd be hard for them to do one that was like just well loved by everyone that still is somewhat, is somehow tied to the original. Right. Like, yeah. I can't see any yeah. way in which Maybe they could sense. avoid the difficulties while retaining continuity. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think. It's not, that's not, that's enough there's, there's there's lots to be excited about it's good news I think for most uh consumers maybe in 15 years we'll have a very different tune because we'll be we'll <laughs> all be forced to subscribe to the Disney channel and have Disney tattoos or something but for now it's fine
1: Uh, i i agree yeah Yeah. um i think right now certainly as a viewer i'm i'm more excited and and more and makes makes me more excited about this you know disney service coming in 2019 um i understand why a lot of people especially people i think who work in the entertainment industry might be worried about this but um yeah i mean i think just as speaking with my sort of you know fan and viewer hat on it it seems like like it's exciting yes
0: uh cool do you want to turn to our review
1: Let's do our review. All
0: right. So I, do you want to do it entirely spoiler-free since it's a movie? I think we usually do that, right? Or
1: Yeah, I think we can do it entirely spoiler-free and then if we, we reach the end of our review we want to and say, there's specific things we want to talk about. Um, but I, th- I think we can probably do the whole thing uh, spoiler-free. Okay.
0: So let's. Uh, uh, that's a de- declaration for anyone listening. You can listen to this safely and you will not be spoiled on the movie Mudbound, a Netflix original. Uh, do you want to give us a kind of a, a brief overview or give us some footing? Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, so it, it is a, a Netflix original film. Um, it was uh, co written and directed by Dee Reese, um, who's a director um, who's done some independent films and then also some episodes of um, Empire and, and When We Rise on TV. Um, based on a novel by Hillary Jordan, um, but the the basic idea of it, I mean it, it's sort of hard to explain. Um, also because I think if I get some of the historical detail wrong, I'll feel really bad. Uh, but but essentially, that um, that the, 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 so there's it takes place in Alabama. Uh, no, sorry, in uh, well it's on the, on the, the Mississippi Delta. I mean, <laughs> have the Wikipedia page open. <laughs> um, but anyway, it takes place in the South, um, and uh, yeah, in Mississippi, I think and. Uh, there's this farm, which um, most of the, f- the the land is being farmed by black families, um, but um, the, but it, the land itself is owned by uh, whites, and and uh, this family led by uh, Jason Clark, um, it basically takes ownership of the land, and then for a bunch of reasons, then he kind of is not only um, owning the property but ends up living on there. So it's about sort of like the relationship between, um, this black family, which is, uh, led by, let's see. Um, I think, uh, by Rob Morgan as, as Hap Jackson and, and Mary J Blige as Florence, Florence Jackson. Um, I didn't even realize that was like Mary J Blige. Family. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I like think when they, when the credits ran, I was like, Oh my God. Um, and I think, like, actually, if, if this movie's you know sort of gets some awards awards recognition, I think the the sense is that that it'll probably go to that Mary J. Blige is, is probably the the person who's going to get the awards. Um, she's already been nominated for a Golden Globe for this. Um,
0: yeah, it makes sense.
1: But it's, it's yeah, and and so it's it's this movie that's basically about the relationship between this black family and this white family in uh, sort of a, basically during World War II and, and immediately after
0: yes uh yeah I, I was gonna say the time frame is, is kind of important if it's like a time where I mean they have the the war is kind of a key backdrop right um, yeah. but it's also not so distant like slavery seems you know like it, obviously it's 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 distant but it's it's still very very strong in terms of informing the relationships between the people like the South is and I mean, honestly, I'm not familiar enough with the South now to know much about what it's like, but uh, this is pre-Civil Rights Movement, right? Like, it's like, yeah, it's still, it's a there's a clearly, clearly stratified uh, uh, social system that is like, doesn't seem that much different from kind of... Times of slavery, just there, there is like a financial relationship, and you know, there's not people aren't owned, but people are it, it, uh, it's not, it's not like it's almost like indentured servitude, but it's not quite that either, right? There's a point where they actually right. have that made explicit, uh, in terms of you know, when Hap has to borrow uh, a donkey from uh, a, mule. Yeah, a mule, yeah, 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 and, and it's like you do this and then you owe me, you know, it, it creates a debt between us or whatever. But, um,
1: but anyway, right. yeah. like a certain portion of your, of your um, profits basically from the net for the next period of time, I'm going to basically be garnishing that until, um, until I consider this paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So, you know, it's, but it, and it's, I guess some of the other details or basics about it is that it's also told in this kind of, Uh, multiple narrator there's the first person accounting like people people actually do narrate Uh, there's voiceover uh and it's sort of episodic in that it like jumps between them uh there's overlap in terms of it's fairly linear in terms of like time um but yeah it shifts between the perspectives of the different characters involved including hap uh and what what's his name the guy who owns the
1: farm um he played uh it's henry
0: henry uh and henry's brother henry mcallen
1: uh jamie mcallen
0: jamie okay
1: jamie yeah yeah so henry and jamie are the are the white brothers and then yeah the um the it's it's uh hap and and florence um as as the sort of mother and father of, of the of the black family yeah
0: and their oldest oldest child probably oldest child uh who goes to Ron goes to war. Uh as as does Jamie, so there's kind of a parallel there um between their stories. And yeah, it's uh I mean uh, so do you that I guess that's enough for premise setting. I'll, I'll just uh that like that narrative device was the most difficult part of the movie for me initially in terms of I had a hard time getting into it because I felt like it jumped around a lot um, with those and and you know voiceover is not something you typically see in movies. It's it's for me it's a little distracting or like you know kind of takes away from setting up the 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 fiction of the world or whatever. Right, like it pops you out of the thing, it shows the artifice. But the, and then as also when you're jumping around like thing to thing to thing, and at first it's not quite clear how these things are connected and i don't know i was like I, I realized there was going to be some kind of payoff but i had a hard time maintaining patience for each individual thing separately when at first when I didn't see sort of the correlation between the two i would say that some things i found you know particularly uninteresting and uh, you know other things i found more compelling and i wish they had stuck with that and that kind of thing
1: yeah i, th- I agree that i thought the be- the beginning was sort of the roughest part of the movie because it just um, like it, it jumps around in and between these voiceovers, and there's so much voiceover at the beginning that it almost feels kind of funny. Um, when like when like the fourth character starts in with their voiceover, and you're just like, oh my god, really? Yeah, come on. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really it's interesting because I be, I was like I didn't notice it while I was watching until maybe very close to the very end, but I was kind of going back and, and thinking through my memory of the movie and like. The voiceover really pulls back as like so. The beginning, it's like really dominated by voiceover. Um, by the end, it's used, I think, a lot more strategically, and in a few key moments. But you also have entire uh, scenes pass without any voiceover, right. yes. <laughs> which yeah. um, sounds normal. But like for the compared to the beginning, feels like a really dramatic difference. Where like the what vo- you just you can't get away from the voiceover.
0: Yeah, that was that was it too. The, you're right because it does it like leans heavily on it for parts of it and then in other parts it's it's not using it at all and you kind of forget that that was a component of it and then they bring it back in and you're a little bit thrown out again right because you're like oh yeah i forgot people are talking about this story as well but but some of it was very good like some of the voiceover and i think that was too a difference between the actors and their strengths like some was delivered in a way that it felt kind of poetic and genuine and like i appreciated it more in itself um i think specifically i mean i felt like mary j blige's was was really really good and felt that way like it felt like uh kind of like a spoken word poetry thing rather than i don't know just like talking about what's going on and then some of the other actors just didn't weren't like couldn't wrap their heads around this is what this is supposed to do or whatever right so I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't crazy. Who did about you dislike? It. What's that?
1: Who did you. Who's. Who? who which actor did you dislike? The, uh, I guess, particularly their voiceover.
0: I kind of disliked uh, the main guy. But I mean, I, f- I felt like he was just kind of like not very likable in general. Which was.
1: Uh, the main. Um, Henry or. or Henry. Haps? Henry. I, I liked Haps okay. a
0: lot. I thought Haps was good too. Yeah. Uh, but Henry's I did not like. But I mean, he's a mumbly sort of like simple like he's not an eloquent character to begin with right like that's kind of part of the point of him so uh yeah but i don't know that was that was my biggest complaint and it but uh, you know had i been watching it on my own probably without any kind of like compelling requirement like i have to do a podcast about it (laughs) that would have that would have probably been reason enough for me to turn it off which is unfortunate because i i ended up really liking it um thanks to i i think the back half i guess the latter half of the of the movie but i wouldn't have stuck around for it if if it hadn't have been for for this that it, that i it was essentially an assignment <laughs> it was like self-assigned but an assignment right
1: yeah I, I i don't think i had quite as much of a hard time but i agree that that was probably the, the weakest part of the, the movie for me um i mean i think the other thing is just when, and and the way we describe the movie um it, you know it sort of emphasizes obviously sort of the racial dynamic of it and I do think like it, it has some interesting things to say about sort of the ways that like um, you know economics and race are tied together and can reinforce each other in some ways um and and I think also you know and, and definitely it's, it's interesting just because it's portraying I feel like a lot of um, movies about race in the American South, tend to focus either on, you know, slavery up to and including the Civil War, or they're focused on the Civil Rights period, and the, and the period sort of post-Reconstruction yeah. um, tends to be sort of uh, ignored, probably just because it's so ble- it's so depressing, right? right? It's just like, um, and, and I, I guess part of the reason I, I don't think I would have watched this movie either if, if we hadn't sort of <laughs> bound ourselves to, 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 to do this um, or committed ourselves to do this what is it just sounds like such a depressing movie and it's not to say that it's not depressing it is a very at times very depressing movie um, a lot of like pretty bleak stuff happens um there's we, there's also this character played by Jonathan Banks um who's like sort of the the the, the grandfather um of uh, in, in the in the white family and he's just like this insane racist and we just when he's on screen like he's just like like, you know, all this, like, horrible stuff coming out of his yeah. mouth. He played
0: um, very well, in that, he you know, yeah, he comes across as yeah, yeah. incredibly de- despicable, like, yeah, every right. time you see him, you right. just want him to go away, which is, right. so they, to Banks, Jonathan Banks? Yeah. I knew that, I, I've seen that actor in so many things, but I did not know his name.
1: Yeah, he's one of those character actors who's just kind of, like, shows up in everything. Yeah, yeah. But
0: yeah, he did a fantastic
1: uh, job. Yeah, and and I think, like, so I mean, it is like a serious movie and an issues movie, and and a, and, a, and you know, um, so that that's true. But I think what surprised me about it was how the the scope of the movie was beyond that, and so it was like really gave like a sense of like the texture of the life of life on the farm, mm-hmm. and then like and the real like personalities of the characters involved, and then that it also um, you know covered this fairly like long period of time, you know, several years. And so it wasn't just about life on the farm, but was also covered, you know, uh, the, the, the lives of the McAllens before they came to the farm and, and sort of how, you know, how they kind of came together. And sort of this romantic triangle between um, Henry and his wife, Laura, played by Terry Mulligan, and Jamie. And, um, and then, you know, follows both Jamie and Ronzel into war. Um, and so it really has this scope to it that I wasn't expecting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it told a lot of different stories. And another story that it told that I thought was good and that is not something you get many other places is that the post war story of, um, you know, of these soldiers who ex- just shared this experience or whatever. But that, that you know, it, there it's not a. You, there's nothing of glory in this. Like, it's not like. At all, like a you know the typical World War Two movie, the, the the Saving Private Ryan or something uh, about the the returning heroes. Like it, it's uh, almost entirely about um, you know, po- post traumatic stress and how they dealt with it, and how it was not really an acknowledged thing at the time at all. Um, and so you know there was there were no real resources. Like that's usually we get that kind of depiction of war around stuff like the vietnam war right like the right or more recent wars. or more recent wars yeah yeah wars where there's a less uh clear outcome in terms of like you know world war ii f- for everyone is the romantic the war the the last war where there was a clear winner and the winner w- had clear moral uh grounds for for right. celebrating the victory right and then i think that a lot of because of that like you know the depiction is of of the aftermath is like oh you know the, the heroes the heroes return or whatever and this is like very much not that and i thought it was a, a very interesting uh, subplot and well told uh despite the fact that there was so much else going on like the other things you describe, right like life on the farm the family dramas and everything else
1: yeah, yeah i agree it's interesting because i don't i don't think like necessarily um the the movies sort of mean to sort of explicitly sort of imply this connection but there is this sort of um way that like yeah all the sort of like ptsd stories tend to be around these wars that sort of had this sort of um you know more ambiguous or negative outcome at least from the from the perspective of the united states i mean well vietnam i don't think (laughs) a good outcome for anyone um but you know, that, that like, it's like, Oh, well, if on the macro level, it was sort of this bad, you know, quote unquote, bad war. Then, then on the micro personal level, we can tell these, you know, um, more conflicted personal stories too. Um, but of course, like, it tr- you know, you can have a war where like, the, you know, there were good guys and bad guys and the good guys won, but you can still come out of it, you know, incredibly traumatized. Um, and it seems like that's not a narrative that you see that much. And and so just seeing that here and again, how like how how you would deal with that before we you know had the language around ptsd how before like you know when when the attitude was essentially just like you know pull yourself together what's wrong with you yeah um it it was it was it was pretty it was really interesting yeah
0: yeah another thing i liked about it we like we've talked about how much how many things were going on and and kind of how ambitious the scope was but at the same time, it didn't feel like an epic. Like, it didn't feel like... Actually, well, I shouldn't even say it because I didn't see it yet. But, like, Dunkirk, at least from the previews, right? Like, feels to me like a sprawling epic tale or something. I'm sure... Have you seen it?
1: I've seen Dunkirk, yeah. Is yeah. it? It's, it's actually... Oh. No. I mean, Dunkirk is actually another movie that um, very intentionally, I think, uh, is it tries to not be an epic yeah. in a lot of ways. So,
0: okay, then it's a good so, analog then, or, like, similar. Because this felt to me like an intimate small story like in a good way uh in that it it was an intimate portrayal of a very few characters um and it wasn't like a generational like you know like yeah i guess epic is really the word i keep coming back to right it, despite how much was going on and how many characters there were it felt like um a, a yeah an intimate look at these characters lives rather than something sprawling and hard to get a handle on
1: yeah it, it really was focused basically on these two families yeah yeah and and then you know and and that covers maybe you know i don't know five or five or ten years in their lives but 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 just those families for that period of time
0: yeah yeah um <clears throat> yeah and i in some ways the back end also kind of redeemed the front for me so Uh, Even though, like, while I was watching the front, I felt like... And part of it, too, is honestly, like, uh, it's about attention spans and, like, approaches to media. and Like, it just... It's a story that requires some patience. And that's kind of rare these days uh, across either movies or TV shows. So, I think that was, I mean, maybe more my fault than the fault of the
1: the movie. Right. Well, I mean, it also speaks to, like, I mean... On the one hand, I think like you could argue that Netflix is the, the home for movies like this, um, and for *Okja* and for the Meyer Witch stories. I mean, which are all very, very different movies, but they are, they're, I guess, linked by the fact that they're not, you know, very commercial. You know, they're not they're not movies you look at and you're like, oh yeah, this would if they'd released this in theaters, this would have made a ton of money. Um, that, that you know uh that, that i think like you, you, that they're, they're sort of i think the cliche about something is like oh well you know it, it, it's just harder and harder to get movies like this made nowadays and so the fact that, that netflix you know is um allowing them to be made and allowing them to find, find an audience is of course like you know commendable um but on the other hand a movie like my band there is something about like well, what if you know if most people are watching this at home, you know, distracted with other things, is it harder to focus on than if they were like in a theater and you know really had to like you know just sit there and take it in? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think the venue for this, I think a theater venue for this, might have been, you know, the more appropriate. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean. It's a very different thing to even just watching sort of setting aside time and watching it in the evening versus what I did which was like watching it in the afternoon uh you know with Twitter up next to it on a separate screen or something right so
1: uh, <laughs> Or yeah like I watched it like <clears throat> on the flight back from Berlin um Yeah this would be a tough so plane the movie. Internet.
0: It's a tough plane movie.
1: There are some things at the end when it starts to get very rough that I just like would sort of tilt my iPad over and less because I was like embarrassed that other people um, would see what I was watching, um, which did happen, by the way, when I was watching um, American Vandal on a plane. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it just uh, like it just like kept being like flashing back like images of dicks. And I had to like be like, "Uh, uh sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just I, really love dicks. It I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> um but like this one it was more just because i mean i don't think like, what you see is that graphic it's just what you know is happening is is pretty terrible um and uh obviously trying to t- talk around a kind of a sensitive scene yeah, uh yeah. but it uh it was just so upsetting that i just like had to stop watching for a second or right? i was just like I, I i really can't take this right now i need to like just stop for like 30 seconds before i start it up again
0: yeah yeah that makes total sense um and yeah again we, we're not doing spoilers but like there, There is a part in this movie
1: that is very, very...
0: Uh, there's difficult, uh, many difficult parts, but there's one that's particularly difficult. So uh, just be warned. But,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and that actually reminds me of one thing I, I wanted to say that I liked about the movie was that, um, you know, I, I, there was a period where I was worried that there were going to be... Um, there was going to be this really clear distinction between sort of like the good white folks and the bad white folks. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, there are in the sense that there are some people who are clearly just despicable and horrible, and some people who are not and and don't necessarily have that you know that sort of really these you know despicable um, racist attitudes. Um, but then at the same time, even the people who are more sympathetic um, can only do so much um, are you know imperfect in their own ways. and and so it's not about the idea of like, oh, well, Um, you know, this, this black family meets like good white people and then everything's good. And like, you know, Garrett Hedlund makes everything okay for them. Um, and, and it's definitely not that narrative at all. And I like the fact that they sort of complicate it and say like, you know, he, particularly Jamie, the the Garrett Hedlund character is like, and, and to a lesser extent, um, Laura, the, the Kerry Mulligan character, you know, that they both, you know, um, like, sympathize and empathize with the um, <clears throat> the, the Jacksons, but there's, o- there's only so much they can do, you know, with both their own personal limitations and then just sort of, like, the, you know, the cruelty of the system at large.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, I think it does a really good job with that, where at times I felt like maybe it was going to veer into too romantic about some of the, like, uh, particularly those characters, like, just, like, you know, in the way that modern depictions of things that happen during uh you know less less uh, i guess aware friendly less like open times um can do that right where it's like let's paint one of these people as a hero to give the audience somebody to to more clearly hopefully empathize with like it it didn't right. do that, like it seemed like it was gonna do that, but then it didn't do that. it just it, and and I think it played with that very intentionally, like it was like you may think like this is the sort of the modern hero, but like it was there there wasn't that like that was not a thing that you could essentially be back then, right, but or not necessarily anyway, so yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, very good, uh again, great to see. Uh, Netflix making stuff of this caliber, I would say in general. Uh, even if it took me a while to get around, because I did message you right away. And I was like, "This is bad. I can't watch this." But then,
1: <laughs> I and I was like, "Just keep watching. Yeah. Keep watching, and we'll argue about it on the show. Yeah. It's fine." Yeah.
0: And I definitely did come around to it, so I recommend. But again, yeah, you need to be in a certain um, one, one. Other thing that, like, that I recommended, if I think you're in, a just a about it in the context of, of... oh, can you?
1: Yeah. Hear? Sorry. Um, was that with um, you know? I think part, one of the reasons we, we wanted to wa- or at least I wanted to watch it, was because Vulture did this list of like the um, the best uh, Netflix original movies, yeah. and uh, and so <laughs> the, the 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 list. There's a lot of movies on it that I've like just never heard of. Um, apparently, the worst Netflix original is the Do Over, the one of the Adam Sandler movies. I can't wait. To watch um, but that. then the the top three are. Um, Let's see here. Mudbound was number three. Meyerwitz was number two, and Okja was number one. Um, and since those are all movies re- we've reviewed uh, on the on the podcast, I was curious if you would agree with that ranking.
0: Yeah, as of right now, I definitely do. I think because, uh, like, yeah, I mean, my again, still, my favorite thing that Netflix has made probably remains Godless, but it's not a movie. Uh, so I, th- I that yeah, that ranking. Definitely strikes me as correct. I I might quibble with like the order, but as of right now,
1: yeah, I would quibble with the order. That I would say, I, I think Meyer, is probably my favorite of those, but but I think those seem like yeah, they sort of stand above the 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 other things Netflix has done. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, cool. Yeah. Again, but you know, in terms of recommendations, I would def- I would like I would advise people to like be in the right headspace for this. I would say. You know, just make sure you're ready to watch something that is that is serious and that requires your attention. Is all.
1: Yeah, and that's not to say it's not like it's not just a history lesson. It's not no. just about no, like, race in America, in America, and in the South. But it is a serious and sometimes depressing movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's a story well told, and it's like you know, it's entertainment. That's what these things are. It's not. It's not like a chore, but it's good. Right uh cool all right we did it no spoilers i don't think anyway
1: yeah no spoilers um and uh yeah i mean i guess the only thing else we should do is just remind people that they can subscribe to original content on apple podcasts or other podcast programs and if they like the show they should maybe leave us a review
0: yes please leave review and uh yeah and we love getting your email feedback we've got some uh for the godless episode in particular that was really good so send it our way we
1: love it (laughs) did you like that we got the email that was like please renew the show yeah and we
0: have renewed it by the way no we don't have (laughs) the ability to do that but (laughs) but we appreciate your feedback yeah uh cool all right well we'll see you next week i don't know do you do we do we know what we're gonna watch yet
1: um, I don't. I mean, I know that they've. They've. Netflix has released screeners for Black Mirror, and I think that's coming pretty soon. Oh, so maybe we'll do that. But yes. there's some other possibilities too. So we'll see all right,
0: there. yeah, either that or the Christmas one that everyone loves so much. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: something good or something not good. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, all right. See ya. All right. Bye.
0: I'm